Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry, and you've not heard from us in a while, have you? Uh, no, it's just been an hour. <laughs> yeah. So if you listen to the football mailbag, uh, you're getting the basketball one in addition to that. Hopefully you listen to both of these. If not, we're, we're glad to have you here for this one. Eric, we're going to talk a lot on this bellbag episode. I know there's going to be Jalen Duran questions. There's going to be why did Kentucky pass on Kofi Coburn questions. Uh, hopefully soon we'll get into some, a lot of schedule talk and things like that. Once we know dates and times and everything for that sec schedule that came out. One thing before we get into this, we did see John Rothstein's report last night that Tony Barbie in central Michigan will be returned. will be coming to Rupp this year. So Barbie's coming home. You know, that's John Calipari helping out a former assistant. And uh, should be an exciting game, that Rupp Arena. John Calipari always likes to bring guys back when they get head coaching jobs or they go elsewhere. Yeah, probably not going to be too exciting for Barbie. His team was 7-16 and 16 last year, the team that he's taken over. Well, Kentucky um, was 9-16. I'm just kidding. Well, that's true. Kentucky <laughs> edged them out just barely. Uh, I'm sure Barbie can be proud of that, The what, what he left behind. Uh, but, no, it's um, that schedule is almost complete. I, how many more games are they going to add, Sean? It seems like it's about – it's about full, I would yeah, think. I think with reports and what, like, obviously we're still waiting on UK to confirm and announce. Mm-hmm. Like, they've not announced Central Michigan on their end and and things like that. Robert Morris, I don't even think it's been announced yet officially by UK, if I'm not mistaken. So, I think with reports, there's 29 games. So, there's two missing oh, that absolutely. they've got to add. Uh, yeah, Louisville, and- Louisville's obviously not showing up, but it's on there. They just don't have a date for it yet. And kind of tricky this year where that thing's going to be with Christmas being on is yeah. on Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. I think so, yeah. So I have a lot of questions with that. That'll be coming out. Uh, it is worth noting, too, that they had their last summer workout. They put up the video today at Kroger Field. Jacob Toppin looks absolutely shredded in that video. I don't know if you've watched it yet or not. Uh, but they were certainly – they were working hard at, at Kroger Field, putting in a workout to kind of end the summer, and then they'll return here in the near future to get ready for classes and things. But, Derek, there's there's a lot of questions in this mailbag. Um, should be able to get quite a bit of discussion here. So our buddy Ben was in the football mailbag, and he pops up in the basketball mailbag twice. He says, do you believe the early hype about Tata and Grady? Because it sounds like the reports are coming out about the players you said could be the guys. The Oscar stuff just doesn't nece- doesn't necessarily surprise me, though. I just hope he gets going soon. So that's some of those practice reports and things that are coming out, Derek. Uh, what do you think about Ty Ty Washington? Obviously, when we've talked about NBA and who could be – like the NBA draft last night, who could be the next guy that goes first round for Kentucky, there's – Tata's probably one of the three guys that you would name, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, no, I think I think that'd be a re- very good thing if Tata is, is really good as a freshman because I think Grady's going to be consistent. Um, he's just had too too much experience for me to think that he will not have a positive impact on this team. But um, you know, I don't know. I just think they have so many guards that uh, I don't I don't know. I mean, you might view this a little differently than than me. I do think you need to have like a solidified best players don't get me wrong I mean I, I do think you need that but you know with I don't think those guys are going to be great every single night because you could have a Davion Mint step in and throw in six three-pointers like he did this past year some games you could have a 
Savio Wheeler have a night where he just goes crazy finding guys for buckets and, and doing really well. So I think Tata and, and Grady can afford to, to have some nights off. But at the same time, by the time March gets here, you will want to have some guys that you can say, hey, when when the team's down by two points with 10 seconds left, who's going to go get a bucket? Like, I do think you, you could find that. But that's something you're not going to know in July. Uh, and with Oscar, I haven't seen anything about Oscar Sheboy. I, I don't know what that's referring to. Um, I assume that he is not doing as well as people hoped, or is that, is that what that's asking? Yeah. And uh, obviously, he he has he's got the wiggle room to get it figured out, right? Who's really challenging him body wise, right there at that position? He yeah, needs to be good. He needs to be really good if this team wants to be great. He has to be good. Sure. Yeah, and, and for better or worse for him, I don't know if it's really fair to him, but if if it doesn't go quite as well as people hope, you're going to hear a lot about Coburn still, which I don't think is fair to Oscar, but that's just the nature of fans. If they thought that Coburn should have been here or would have been here, had you really wanted him, then that's going to add another element to him. I, I mean, do you agree with that? I think that's probably true. Yeah, and, and the one thing, too, when it comes to practice reports, I'm not getting too caught up in them. You know why? I don't know what this is referring to, honestly. I've not seen these reports. Well, uh, Jack Pilgrim posted some notes and stuff on KSR from a source that he'd spoken with about the early workouts and things. But the one thing that I'm 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 preaching caution to everyone because we we fell for it last year. I did. I mean, I picked him to go to the Final Four. Joel Justice was on this podcast in the preseason, and the way he talked and stuff, it even boosted my hope that they were going to be that good because I remember him exactly coming on this podcast saying they would be one of the most fun and energetic teams that they'd ever seen. And it was the opposite. I don't know if you remember that or not, <laughs> but you, I just, you can't go off that. I want to see what these guys look like. Like I'm, I'm not getting caught up in the Tata Washington possibly starting over Xavier Wheeler right now. I want to see what it looks like when they get in between those lines and they play games, not just exhibitions when it's Kentucky and Duke at Madison square garden and then you follow that with other non-conference games and you're on the road at Michigan in early December, Derek, that's what I'm waiting to see before I really give my input on what I think these guys are going to be. I want to see who shows up when the lights are on and who doesn't. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it wasn't really until, what, a week before the first game last year that Cal really hit the panic button and then everybody thought he was just playing around because they crushed Moorhead State the first game of the year. I can remember him getting a question in the post game, like, oh, Cal, you were you were just joking, right? About I don't remember the exact quote that Cal had about how nervous he was, but that was one of the times where like uh, I guess Cal was being genuine to what he said to the media because uh he ended up being right. That was a pretty bad team last year. And um so you know, what can you take? Because Cal was excited up until a certain point last year, I would say, about that team. And then obviously it went way downhill. But this team's gonna be better, obviously. It's gonna be a better team. Um so much more experience, so many guys that you could see really have it. I mean, he talked – what's he talking – he wants guys – how many guys does he want per year who score at least 20 points in a game? Is that, is that the number? Yeah. He wants five guys, right? You could see that on this team for sure. Good. Yeah, you, you could. I think that they, they have options. They have so many different guys. I think it could be a different guy every single night, honestly, and that, that's what you want. And if – and I said this on a podcast earlier this summer about Ty Ty Washington that – even if Xavier Wheeler ends up starting, and I still think that Xavier is the one guy that's different from the rest of them because he's not the knockdown shooter. He's not the explosive athlete at the rim. He doesn't have the length and athleticism, but what he has, he has a burst 
and he sets the table for everyone else. And that's what I think kind of separates him. But I could see it being a case where the ball is in Ty Ty Washington's hands late in games, kind of like it was that year where Ashton Hagens ran the show and then you went to Tyrese Maxey in the final two or three minutes in, in situations. I think, I think that could be something that plays out in this backcourt. Who separates themselves? We do know with all these options they have in the backcourt and on the wing, somebody's, going to, somebody's minutes are going to be left out. There's going to be competition there. there. It's not possible to play everyone. And I still believe that when Cal gets down to it and we get into that SEC schedule, there's going to be that rotation of three or four guards that are going to play a lot. And then it might just be what are, what's the score look like? Do you need shooting? Do you need length? He has options this year. I think that's what's going to help him a ton. Hey, I got a question for you, uh, Jacob Toppin, Stan. Uh, does he score 20 points in a game this year? He does. He does. Okay. He Who's does. it going to be against? Who are you calling it against? I'll let, I'll let it get closer to the year before. Yeah, let me, let me see one of those. Let me see one of those non-conference games earlier. I think the Jacob Toppin hop train will be off the rails at some point early in the season because he's just <laughs> going to cram all over one of these teams in an exhibition or something. Everybody's going to – I like Toppin. I really like it. He gets a 16, right? It was his high against Vanderbilt. I think it was 16. Yeah. He'll so get he, the yeah. 20. Keon, he can get there. I, I'll tell you guys that I think will get the 20. I think Keon's going to get the 20 at some point. I could see – I think Oscar will get to 20. I think he'll dominate some of those teams physically early in the season, one of those non-conference teams. Now, I don't know if that bodes well for SEC play, but I think that he'll he'll kill the glass and he'll have a game. Backcourt-wise, I think Kellen Grady scoring 20. If you've done what he's done over the course of his career, averaging 17, 18 points a game, there's, there's multiple 20-point games in that bag. Mm, anything you want, you want to throw in anybody you think maybe? Yeah, I mean, if Dante gets enough time and he's hot. He's, he's done it twice, yeah. Yeah, he's had a couple. I think he's capable. I mean, I think Tata is certainly capable. And Mintz is capable, for Mintz sure. for sure, yeah. It's easy. And who knows for- about, like, uh, I mean, who? I mean, like, we're not even talking about, like, Bryce Hopkins. Hell no, who knows? I mean, he could be really good. I, I don't know. I mean, that's a lot of guys we're naming. I, I would probably be a little surprised. If, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it's impossible, but Oscar, I, I agree with you in a sense it would need to be against probably a lesser-tier team. I'd be pretty surprised if he's, like, dropping 20 in SEC games just because I just don't think he's going to play a huge part in this offense outside of – put backs and maybe some lobs and things like that. I don't think they're just going to feed him in the block and let him go to work. Yeah, and <laughs> I'm seeing Trey's question here, and I, I love I love when Trey sends us something, Derek, and when he'll DM us. And, you know, Trey discovered that Duke actually posts 15-minute highlight clips of their scrimmages and practices on YouTube, and then he replied to me the other day, said, we get 15 minutes of Duke scrimmaging, but we get five minutes of Jacob Toppin and Davion Mintz playing pool. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> But Trey says, Tata Washington, Damian Collins, and Bryce Hopkins were starting eighth grade the last time UK had new basketball uniforms. What were you doing in October of 2016? <laughs> That's the question, Derek. Yeah, I'm really happy that Trey asked this question because it gives me a chance to to talk. I, I know exactly what I was doing in October 2016. That was the best year of my life for sure. Uh started dating my now wife that year in March we started dating 2016 and uh it was the best summer I've ever had with a lot of friends uh it was a great year in October though I know I took a trip to Alabama to cover football I was working for Cats Illustrated I was working for Rivals I was my senior year of college which is probably why I remember it so fondly um 
but yeah, I went down to Alabama. I started interning for D1Baseball.com and uh, covered some basketball too. That was a really fun basketball team. De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, those guys, and the football team uh, made the first bowl in quite a few years. So I was basically doing what I'm doing now, just not going to school anymore. So that was kind of the big, and I'm married. So that's a big change from 2016 to, to now. But a lot of the work is the same. But Sean, this is this predates you on the beat, though, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, 2016, I was actually in college at Lincoln Memorial University going to be a teacher. Was very close to that being my career choice. And also in October of 16, I was sitting at Kroger Field in the section over by the opposite of the away tunnel. I don't remember if it's 108, 109, somewhere in the corner. And it was very windy. I'll remember this at Kentucky Vandy. It was, a, I think, a 4 o'clock SEC network game. And all I remember is I had a funnel cake and it looked, it was all over me by the end of the game, all over my blue shirt, all over my face. So I was, what I'm getting at is it's crazy how much can change. I was just an average fan sitting in the stands pulling for a team. And then about five months later, I got this broad idea to start Go Big Blue Country. And then look where I'm at now. I'm hosting Kentucky Daily with you. I'm not a school teacher. And I'm sitting here talking about, something I spent a large part of my life following and now it's my everyday job. So what I'm guessing I'm getting at is don't ever shoot your dreams down because if you really want something bad enough, it, it can work out for you. Well said. I would go back to 2016 again. Yeah, I would do. I'll go back. I would I was still in my twenties. <laughs> so yeah, I would go back. You're still in your twenties. So yeah, yeah, I would go back to 2016. I would have been 26, 27. Uh, but let's move on to another question. Fun question there, Trey. Uh, Big O asks, I would love your thoughts and breakdown of the UK men's basketball SEC schedule this upcoming season. I know broadcast money is a big part of the equation, but every year it seems the SEC makes things very difficult for their flagship brand in basketball. Am I off base? UK paranoia, paranoia, LOL. It's difficult when you're the best team in the league, they're going to match you up with the other teams that they think are going to generate revenue and stuff when it comes to, to TV. And you see Kentucky playing on the road at Alabama. You see Alabama coming to Rupp Arena. You see Kentucky going to Bud Walton to play Arkansas, but them not return the favor. Uh, what do you think about? the schedule breakdown, Derek. I mean, obviously Kentucky is going to be the premier program in this league, regardless of who enters the SEC. I don't think it's UK paranoia. Like, I think it's just true. I mean, how many times did they play? I'm not saying they didn't, but did they typically play Alabama year in and year out, home and away? I know they did some years, but I don't think it was all the time. And obviously they are this year. Same deal with Auburn. They weren't playing Auburn twice a year when Tony Barbie was there, you know. Well, but once Bruce Pearl got there and they got pretty good, I guess where UK was going every year. They were going down to Auburn. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's true to an extent. I mean, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I think I think you're going to match uh, your flagship school, like he says. I mean, one of the best basketball programs in the country. Anytime you get an SEC team stepping up and then challenging UK for the crown, I mean, that's, you know, for SEC regular season crown. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're going to – but wouldn't you want that as a fan, though? Don't you want to watch the best teams play each other? You do. And and then you look at it, take it a step further and take it out of conference and you look at the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Yeah. Kentucky's playing. It, it's been Kansas. But then the one year following Texas Tech getting to the national title game, it's Kentucky going on the road to Lubbock. So yeah, you you're, you're, you're going to get that. You've, you've not had UK going to play TCU any, have you? No. Any of these years. So. No. 
Is this even played in that event? I don't know what they have. Ah, throwing smoke. It's such a weird event because a lot of years the SEC's best teams are left out because they go off the year before, Mm -hmm. which shows that they look at that thing and try to. I've I've predicted, and how long does this thing last now that Texas and Oklahoma are moving to the league? If if they're in the league next year, it's done. If it's 2025, you're going to see Kentucky and Baylor playing again at some point. Baylor just won a national championship. I was actually surprised they didn't have them matched up this year. Yeah, I was too. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, they definitely do it for TV matchups. But, again, it helps UK in the, in the long run if they can win those games. You're going to get a higher seed in the tournament. You're going to stay on top of the league. I mean, I, I think you, you just accept that when you – if you're a player at UK, that's why you come to UK. But uh, it also shows how tough it is because even those teams that we're not talking about, you know, you mentioned on the podcast the other day, you know, they've lost some games that you kind of wonder how in the world how in the world did they lose to South Carolina? Well, you go down there, and I mean, every game you play is that's one of the things Cal says that I do believe. Like it really is. Like everybody's Super Bowl. I mean, it's a huge game at those SEC venues. You watch, you turn on the game at like a school like South Carolina, and that place is packed. And then you turn on the TV to watch them play another team, and it's like half full. So that is one true thing. And I think Jeff Drummond, what does he call it? Post post-Kentucky World Series or uh, Super Bowl, some kind of syndrome. I don't know. It's really funny the way he phrases it because it's like <laughs> notorious that teams will play out of their mind against UK and then go play some other team and, and just look awful. Yeah. And I would do want to add this too, that we were talking about the roster and the reports and everything. That was Matt Jones on Kentucky Sports Radio earlier this week that said that. And Jack Pilgrim put the story up on KSR, and it was just talking about Oscar Sheboy having an adjustment period when he got to Lexington and working his way back in shape. He got to campus late, Derek. So, mm-hmm. uh, getting being behind there, that that hurt him probably. Same thing with C.J. Frederick early in the spring. I'm sure that getting there and being out of shape, not able to use facilities and things before he got on campus, that was probably uh, played a role there as well. But I, I think Oscar's going to be fine. I, I do. I think he's going to have plenty of opportunities and stuff, which then leads us in to a question from Adam here. Since the staff didn't accept Kofi Coburn and Duran is trending elsewhere, what will happen at the five position when Oscar, who tends to be in foul, pro- foul prone, gets in foul trouble? I see this as the one glaring weakness this team has, that he is spot on. Spot on, Adam. That is my one concern. That was my one big concern, Derek, that I was talking about, that why didn't Kentucky get Kofi Coburn? Because I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I don't. I don't know of anyone right now that's picking Jalen Duran to go to Kentucky. Kentucky feels like they still got a shot. I don't think Kentucky's going to come out and tell anyone that they don't. But is Kentucky even, if they're not option one, are they even option two? Are they even option three? Because it certainly seems like it's Miami, Memphis, and G League ahead of where where Kentucky's at. When you talk to people, uh, Jack feels the same way. Uh, Nobody on the UK beat, I don't think, that follows recruiting right now, Derek, would pick Kentucky and Jalen Duran. So Lance Ware, is that the answer we're going to have to go with this year? So or Collins, I mean, I know Collins physically is, you know, he's probably not ready for that. I think that Lance is a project long-term. Like Lance isn't going to come in this year and be a superstar and and lead you to a national championship. I just don't see that with with where he was as a freshman and where and the way he plays. But I think that Lance Ware – the one thing that I like about Lance is I think he's going to get it. He doesn't care to get his nose dirty, and he's going to work his tail off. You saw that last year. He bought into his role. 
it, it did you see over there on the bench at any point, Derek, in those games that we covered, even the ones we watched on TV, where he would play 30 minutes a game and get 12 rebounds and then play two minutes the next game? He was always up encouraging and always yeah. seemed to have a positive attitude. I could see him really carving out a role behind Oscar when it comes to a physicality advantage over Damian Collins. Damian Collins obviously has the athleticism and the length but where has the experience in college basketball? He has the experience in the SEC and at Kentucky. And I think if he buys in to I'm going to be the guy right here behind Oscar to maybe spell him for a few minutes or play a longer stretch if Oscar's in foul trouble, I think Lance could make an impact. With Kofi's yeah, on that roster, Lance isn't playing at all, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if I'm Lance Ware, that's definitely the avenue. But, I mean, he's going to have another year where he's going to be like the dirty work kind of guy. I mean, that's what he was last year. Uh, I'll be curious. I mean, another year in college, another year working with UK's coaches, how much has he improved his offensive game? Because he was, uh, you know, he he was just not the kind of guy that you were going to expect to score last year. And, I mean, to do that role that we're talking about, though, you don't have to be able to to really score. If you can – Cal will put you in there. If you can get rebounds, if you can play tough, I mean, he very much values those things in a player. So I agree with you because, you know, if Coburn was here, even if if Duran comes here, then you kind of wonder – you know, what, what is Lance Ware? Not necessarily his future, because, I mean, if he's bought in yeah. on being a long-term guy anyway, then it's no big deal. But, I mean, I was kind of speculating to you, like, hey, well, let's got to think about maybe redshirting this year, because, I mean, you're not playing if Coburn's here. Whereas now, I totally agree with you. Um, and that's still going to be, I would say, would you agree, probably a, a minimal role? Like It would be like last year, like you were just talking about. He would have games where he would not even play, actually play a couple minutes and then like Mississippi state and he play like 20 something minutes <laughs> against them in the SEC tournament. So like, that's probably going to be the role if, again. This if, year, you, if you were to ask John Calipari right now, just in a discussion that doesn't go public, who he hopes emerges there, it's going to be Damian Collins. Yeah. I think that would be the guy that he hopes emerges as a, as a big time piece in a body on the interior, just given the upside and athleticism, Damian Collins has higher upside than Lance Ware ever will have in my opinion just given the the way sure. that he's built and his athleticism and things like that. But what it's not always the guy that has the upside, though, that really leads your program and carves out a role and kind of fills the puzzle at what you're wanting to do to make a run. And I, I like Lance. Lance struggled last year. I know that I was there late in the season. Like, why is he playing so many minutes? Why is he in the game here in the most critical moment? I think he fights. And I, he certainly has gotten better. There's no way that he's gone and regressed. I think he he will he will play a role on this team, Derek. I'm starting the, – the more that we get closer to the season and this roster continues to look like it possibly is done and complete, he's going to have to have a role. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. Uh, Sean, look at some of these other questions we got. Um, the other one from Ben there because it asked about Kofi, and we can just kind of loop it into that one. Yeah. So, Ben asked, what is the point in – never even pursuing Kofi to come in rumored third or fourth for Duran. Like, I get not wanting to hurt feelings, but it seems like every day that goes by, UK falls further back in the Duran standings. And even if we have one injury to the bigs, we are in trouble. He's he's not wrong. If they have an injury to Oscar Sheboy, heck, let's say they even have an injury to Damian Collins or a Lance Ware. Where, where's Kentucky's depth then? Are you you're pushing Keon to the five? And then I was about to say, to the four? I was about to say your boy Toppins will be playing a whole lot if that's the yeah. case. And the the way the roster stands, I, I think that Oscar's going to get in foul trouble at some point. I mean, probably more often than not, honestly. 
somebody's going to have to be able to play those 14, 15 minutes there behind him at the five. That's I think that's the easiest spot to get on the floor, honestly, this season, is whoever wants to be the backup five man. That would be – I mean, you're in a prime position if you're Damian Collins or you're, you're Lance Ware fighting for that spot. I think Keon and Toppin, I don't think there's – minute. I don't think minutes are going to be a problem there. I think they're going to be able to split. And one will play a little more. It wouldn't shock me, honestly, if it kind of fluctuates. Like, Keon Brooks is the guy that, you know, everybody's picking to have the breakout year and be a star, and I agree with it. I think Keon has all SEC potential. But I just love the, the, the switch up with Jacob Toppin and the things that he can do. And if he's improved his jump shot, his ball handling, I've said it multiple times, and this has nothing to do with the question that we're talking about right here, but I want to make sure I say this again. The reason I'm so high on Jacob Toppin is his upside and his athleticism, but most importantly, I think he could be the best defender on this team. He can defend multiple positions, and I know John Calipari enough with what we've covered this program and what I've watched of this program that if you can do that, you play. And that's why I think that he's going to play a lot of minutes and make a huge impact on this team. But to answer Ben's question with, with the Kofi stuff and Jalen Duran, right now I've said it, nobody's picking Jalen Duran in Kentucky. And I just don't think that there's a source out there that really thinks that Kentucky has a legis- legit shot at it. And maybe it changes. But Kentucky certainly is still recruiting, Derek, and they, they're, they're telling people that they still have a shot at it. So I don't know how to read it, but – if Kofi, if Kentucky did indeed pass on Kofi and they don't get Duran, Oscar has to be really good, and can, it can't be the five spot that costs Kentucky a Final Four or a national championship. If it is, Cal's going to get destroyed in this fan base and by media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Sean Smith here with Kentucky Daily, and I just want to take a moment to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle. If you love listening to us here on Kentucky Daily, what is stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to do it than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for an initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listen to us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. 
To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join or check out the description box in this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. From this is from Go Big Blue, uh, another regular contributor to the mailbag. Does free throw shooting worry you as much as it does me? Wheeler, Grady, Oscar are all poor free throw shooters. Do you feel Ty Ty will be the primary ball handler to close out games if the above mentioned is true? Isn't Wheeler actually one of their better free throw shooters when you're talking stats from a year ago? No idea. <laughs> I know that Grady did not have as good of a year because he had asked about it, which is odd because he, I think, is seen as a pretty good shooter. He just struggled from the line last year. But Oscar, Oscar Shebley would not be the first big man in college basketball who could not shoot free throws well, though. So, I mean, it's kind of not a shocker when those guys don't shoot the ball that well. You can pull up the Wheeler thing real quick. Well, here it um, is. Wheeler 74%. From the free throw line last year, Mintz 66, Frederick 68, Grady 68, Dante Allen 64. Hmm. So he's the best out of that bunch. But if Ty Ty Washington shoots a high percentage from the line, yeah, I think that he has to be on the floor late in games. And I do think that he will be on the floor late in games. Yeah, in defense of this guy who's asking, I mean, 74% isn't – I wouldn't say it's poor. I would disagree on that. But it's also not like – I think you'd want your top free throw shooter having a better percentage than that, though, right? You do. You I mean, you don't spend the 80s and, at least. And it doesn't make sense for a guy like C.J. Frederick and Dante Allen and Kellen Grady, any, any of those three, as excellent as they are from the three-point line, to shoot under 70% yeah. from the free throw line. Like, that's just a concentration and a, and a comfort thing at the line. Like, that would be – you need those guys to be 75-plus, 76, 77. The, and weird, too, because a lot of those gyms were empty last year. Yeah. Brooks is 80%, by the way, and topping 78 those what did are, uh what Tyler Hero shoot at UK or quickly? I mean, both those guys were over ninety, right? Ninety, yeah, yeah. And you you need someone in that backcourt if you're going to shoot the ball. Here's my thought on this: Kentucky's going to be significantly improved shooting the three. They're going to get more points there. But if you're giving that up at the free throw line and not getting as much, or what are you're losing? So it doesn't yeah. matter what you're doing from the three point line if you can't hit free throws in close games late. You're going to lose. So they've got to get that figured out and get that fixed. Hopefully that's a – it's all it's mental. The free throw line is mental, no doubt. I've coached the game of basketball long enough to know that I've got I've had kids that can shoot lots out from three and not be able to hit a free throw. And then I've got kids that couldn't hit a three and shoot 80% plus from the free <laughs> throw line. It's just a mental and a comfort standpoint that you got to get there and you can shoot them and shoot them and shoot them in practice. It's just a comfort standpoint. You got to get up there and build a zone it all out and lock in. And I don't know. It's it's going to, I think that's an interesting question and something to keep an eye on is Lance Ware 56%. I do think you have to fill at least when I Rob would watch basketball games. Um knowing you have a guy on your team who is automatic at the free throw line, I almost feel like that's you know, so disheartening. If you're an opposing team and you know if you foul this guy late in a the game, then you're just further, further putting yourself back. Um, and and to answer this question, I don't know if they have someone like that right now that we can say is like that at this point. Now that could change. So it could. And wasn't Toppin what'd you say he was shooting? Wasn't he a pretty 70, I feel like I remember him being 70, 78. 78. Yeah, 78. That's what I was saying. I thought I remember him being a pretty solid shooter. I mean, he had a lot of those mid-range jumpers this year too, coming off those uh curls and everything. Yeah, that is uh, – that's another reason why I think that he could find himself on the floor. If he's able to shoot that clip from the free throw line and then do those things defensively with his athleticism, his rebounding, I just think that he can have his hands all over the game 
in a number of ways. And that's what you want. You want somebody that's going to be all over the stat sheet. You saw Keon Brooks do that last year, too, with some games where he had really high rebound numbers, some assists, and scoring. I like, honestly, I'm more confident about what Kentucky has at the four than I am about anything else on the roster. I like those two guys at the four. And obviously, I do like the guards as well, but you want to see those free throw numbers go up. I was trying to think, I was going to say something else, and I cannot remember what it was. If I remember it in a moment, I'll get to it. But Ryan had, uh, a question for the basketball mailbag. How many guys do you see UK adding in 2022 and can build the, and if you can build the class yourself, who are you taking? Derek, so I'm going to start at the top here. And you've already got Sky Clark in this thing. So let's just go ahead and put him in the class. So Derek Lively is prime number one when it comes to the interior. I think right. Shaden Sharp is another guy. And I'm going to go Casey Wallace. Like, if you gave me guys to add to this thing right now, that would be where I would go. And it's a really good class. If it is, if it ends up just being those four, it's a really good class. Yeah, and I would add, if, if you can convince Nick Smith to join that, yeah. then I would definitely take him too. Yeah. But I, I'm thinking from Nick Smith's perspective, you've mentioned, and I agree with you, I think Frederick's still going to be there next year. I think there's a chance Dante Allen's still going to be there. I don't think it's impossible that Savier Wheeler is. I mean, I think there's still a chance he could be there, depending on how this year goes. So, I mean, you're talking about a log jam there at a certain point. Uh, but I, I like Smith's ability as well, though. I think he could be a really solid player. Um, honestly, I think those would be those guys he mentioned, and then plus Smith. And I would probably just see whatever's on the transfer market, too, after the year's over. Yeah. And I, I want to see them take one or two guys a year from trans. It just makes too much sense not to. And, and then, too, you know, obviously – uh, Wallace going to be visiting Kentucky in August. Uh, Buna going to be visiting Kentucky in August as well. I think Jack Pilgrim put that out in a story. That's another guy to watch for. Sky Clark hinted at multiple commitments coming soon. If you're going off the guys that are going to be visiting, Case and Wallace and him in August, I mean, is that could that be it? I mean, Shaden Sharp has to be one of those guys, though, if we're talking possible commitments coming soon, given where Kentucky has been. Kentucky has been rumored to be, like, in the driver's seat for him, Derek, ever since we probably start, started talking the, the offseason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, – the narrative around this class will be that it's the one that got Kentucky back, right, to recruiting at an elite level. Scott Clark's going to be your point guard in this class. And that's where you were coming from a minute ago. If you can convince Casey Wallace and Nick Smith Jr. both to Kentucky. So then you've got Clark as your combo at your point. And then you've got wings and Sharp and Nick Smith and Casey Wallace. And then you've got the front court shirt up. Can they, could you see this class being a six class, a six man class? I mean, they're going to lose yeah. some dudes off this team. They're, I'm killing great. is gone. Yeah. Who else is gone? Key, I think Keon's gone. I think this will be the oh, yeah. last run with Keon. And then they're – I mean, one of those point guards, whether Wheeler or Washington, I think they're, you're going to lose there too. You're going to have guys that maybe say, hey, I'm going to transfer. We'll have surprises that enter the draft. I could see it end up getting to a five-man class and then maybe looking and taking a guy from the portal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like, I like adding the transfer bigs. I like adding the guys who have – gone through a weight program for a few years and have college experience in the post, unless you're getting a guy like Carl Anthony Towns or obviously like the Anthony Davises of the world. Um, and you might have that. Like I said, I, I would love to see Lively and Damian Collins play together. 
uh, on the same team the next year. And the more people talk about Sheboy, Sh- I'm not convinced he's going to be gone no matter what after this year either. So yeah, well, I don't have to add as many guys. But uh, do we know yet if if I know the expectation is that Sharp and uh, Lively are going to be guys who announce, or actually I don't know. I know Sharp is is expected to announce soon. Are all these fall decision guys who UK is recruiting, or could some linger into the spring? I think there's there's some talk that Lively could linger okay. beyond by beyond the fall signing period. I, I think Kentucky is going to put on the full court press though and try to get a commitment to going into the winter. Uh, that would be massive if they could get a signature from him. Do you think Sharp finishes top three? I do. I, I think that he has potential to be one of the better guys in this class. I think some people think he could push to be number one from stuff that I've read. So you could probably have two top five guys in this class, and, if, and that's been a minute since they've had that. It would be very disheartening if where they are right now with the momentum that they have in the position that they're in to not be a class that is littered with top 10 guys and top 20 pieces. Like it would be very disheartening considering where they are right now and what recruits are saying, what national media, what these guys that talk that don't really put things out on public forums. There are a lot of people behind the scenes right now that really feel like Kentucky's in a great spot with multiple guys. And that's why you're seeing crystal ball picks for Nick Smith Jr. and Casey Wallace to Kentucky is given that where those guys stand this will be a really good class for Cal. And I think that the staff is going to really put on a full court press here late in the summer and then early fall to make sure that they've not only made a statement that they're back on the court this season, but in recruiting as well. I not totally agree. I mean, this is a, this is a statement here for Kentucky in a lot of ways, I think. Here's a, here's a fun question for you. This one, this comes from Cameron. He sent this in on Wednesday. He said, give me your five-man lineups for against zone, defensive, and last five minutes. He said, love the podcast. Keep up the good work. So, Derek, we got we got to think about this one a moment. We just talked about free throws and who would be on the floor in the last five minutes. Let's go – let's start with against zone. I'll give you mine. You Give me yours and I'll think. Tata Point, Kellen Grady, Mance on the wings. Brooks and Sheboy. Well, we're not we're no different then because I was going to go Davion Mintz there too. Uh, you could also go a lineup that includes Dante Allen and C.J. Frederick together, to arguably the two best shooters on the team. Do you think that we see a, a chance to where one of those they they look at a lineup and it Keon or J- Jacob Toppin's not on the floor and they push one of those wings down? A guy like Dante Allen who has the wingspan, could you see – like he's not technically going to play the four, but could you see them doing something like that for a stretch? I mean, I wouldn't take anything off the table, man. You know, depending on the game and the situation, uh, I could I could see. I mean, I'm, I was kind of joking about that uh, Sheboy thing if he was on the floor, but I could honestly maybe see a minute or two stretch where Toppin and Brooks do play together in the post. I mean, obviously you're giving up a lot of um, – strength if you do that but i mean they're both what six six nine six ten yeah Toppin's still growing i think <laughs> so i mean that wouldn't stun me there's just a lot of combinations they could go with now what, what were the other ones what about your defensive lineup wheeler yep i go grady yeah. two yeah it's so i still like grady and Mance are going to be in my big moments thing for yeah. sure i just like their what they bring and then uh toppin's got to be out there and I kind of, I mean, I kind of think 
it depends on how much he gets pushed around if he's strong enough. But I kind of think Collins' defensive yep. potential could be enough to where, like, you at least mention him in this before we even see him play. Um, but I just agree. for fun for now, I'll go Collins, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that, honestly. And then I think Keon guys, has it's, potential. It's We've not seen these guys play yet. At least I haven't seen them play yet. So it's no. really hard. And I had, and I think Keon has that potential too to be a good defender. That's why I love Kentucky's four spot. I think that they've got guys that can defend. I think they've got guys that can score. They can both can run the floor very well. They're they can make plays. Uh, I really like. I'm going to keep hammering home the four spot with Kentucky. That I think that that's what's going to separate them is Keon Brooks and Jacob Toppin. And then the last five minutes lineup. Do you take Xavier Wheeler off the floor knowing those free throw numbers? I'm, if he's shooting 74%, then no. I don't no. think that's that bad. No. I, I, this might make me like a bad – maybe I'm just dumb. Like, that's possible. I – if you got like a, just a absolute terrible, like, you know they're going to foul this guy, then I get – like, you got to take them out. Like, Sheboy, I don't think you're going to need in there at the end of the game. But a guy like Grady, if he's even shooting in the 60%, like, I'd be honest with you, man. Like, I like riding with the guys who have played almost the whole game for you. Yeah. And you just hope that those are the dudes who can come through. Like, I don't really like the idea of – I don't think it's hard if you don't play that much, just come off the bench and then get thrown in this really pressure spot where you need to make some free throws. So, and I don't know if I can answer five guys. I would say, yeah, Sheway cannot play if he's going to be shooting terribly. But all those guards, like, I'm not sure who would really stand out more than, like, I'd still like Mintz again. Like, I just like the guys who have been there and done that and the guys who are going to play a lot of minutes. So that's my answer to that is whoever those guys are. And this is where I think that you could get to that lineup that we were talking about where Sheboy's not on the floor and they don't even have a big on the floor where you could go late in game, free throw shooting. If you're up and you got, let's say, a two, three possession lead, then you go key on and top it on the floor together, four or five. And then mm-hmm. you can you go Wheeler and Mintz and Grady on the perimeter. Like I think that's where you could get that lineup for a, a spurt there to where uh, you could see Toppin and Keon slide or if maybe three, four, like maybe they decide to go. If these guards don't shoot the ball well and Jacob Toppin shows that he's got improved ball handling, but if you've got a Ty-Ty Washington, a Sabir Wheeler, and you've got those two primary ball handlers on the floor, Jacob Toppin shooting 78% from the line and Keon Brooks shooting 80%, it's kind of hard to have either one of them off the floor late in games. Well, and that's why it's huge too, late game, to, to make that second free throw. If it's uh, or even if it's one-on-one or, you know, two free throws, that way you can have a chance to sub you know, to, to kind of keep that offense-defense thing going. And that's the only thing you'd have to worry about is we get stuck in a lineup. And it, a lot of times late in the game, it ain't going to be long, but you don't want to be caught in a spot where you're having to play a, a minute or two without the, the guys that you actually went on the floor. So, I do think that's sure. why it's so big. I'm making sure that I haven't missed anything in the mailbag. I don't think we have. I think that's covered it pretty sure do you have anything on your end i the only ones i saw were all the ones in your replies and we hit all those okay then we have uh i think we've got it oh wait never mind i see one <laughs> snuck in there oh, snuck in there on me nick uh i'm super high on dante allen with how he ended the season people seem to forget how many injuries he was coming back from would we see a true four guard lineup at times with allen's height i'd so i'd think he could play an outside four so say Wheeler, Tata, Grady, Allen, and Oscar. We didn't, I didn't even see this question. We've already talked about that. How crazy. Look, we, we literally – I even asked you that a minute ago. Can Dante Allen slide and play the four for a stretch? And we both said yeah. 
Cal has options with this roster, doesn't he? That I don't think Maybe he's really had in the past. I don't think you can I don't think you can really pigeonhole anyone into a spot with this lineup that I, I think that you've got guys who can play multiple spots. Uh, the best thing for me would be this backcourt who emerges as a very, very good two-way player that can get buckets for you on offense and can defend. If there's two-way players littered all, littered all over this roster, then this team can be very, very good. Yeah, and it's probably good to remember we're also – in July, we're talking about the best-case scenario typically for all these guys, too. So, I mean, maybe come February, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll recognize which guys fit which situations better. I mean, that's – but, again, like you said, it would be surprising if they're just totally deficient in some area where, where nobody could step up. Whereas last year, uh, they, they truly did have areas where they just were not simply – no matter who you put out there, they were just not going to be good. Uh, in some of those areas, and you hope that that's been addressed well enough. I mean, when you have six guards on the roster, you would think your options are almost limitless. Six guys who have all played uh, important roles at some point in their career. I know everybody's excited to see it. Maybe they can get on Trey's idea and put a five-minute YouTube video on of them practicing. That would that would probably generate, you know, 100,000 views in about two hours if they did something like that. And uh, probably something for UK to think about. I still think these schools – I mean, UK basketball has never really needed – to do that because obviously look at the smell bag sean we got people talking about what might happen if foster shiba gets in foul trouble and it's july 30th but i do think if uk ever did get in a situation where they wanted to do that i mean the the they might not do it because the takes that would come out of such a small video might be too much to to really deal with with a small sample size but um it would make our mailbag easier to have a few more answers, though. It, it would be. And we didn't even mention Hopkins really in this episode that much. That's another guy that we've we don't we just don't know much about these guys right now. Like we we have some game film on guys at other places, but how do they fit in with what they're doing at Kentucky? I mean, that's that's what remains to be seen. And we'll eventually we'll get to that at some point. But another successful basketball mailbag, another mailbag Friday. You did mention earlier that next week we'll have to change. We will have media day going on and some things like that. Fan day, the open scrimmage. Hopefully we get to do all those things. So we will change it up. We'll probably do the mailbag maybe earlier in the week or something, depending on what happens or possibly after all that. We might go before and after, honestly, because there will be some questions. We'll be able to answer some things better on the football side of things. As always, this is powered by Blue Wire Pods, but the mailbag is always powered by Buffalo Wings and Rings in London, Kentucky, a very convenient location right there off the interstate on I-75. Make it out to Buffalo Wings and Rings before the game, after the game. Grateful for their support. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. 